I modeled because I wanted it to be episodic, right? That's what it, I really love that concept you talked about. And so I created that system, that series to be episodic, but I had a hard time getting that off the ground and doing that consistently. I made that series so I could be consistent, mm. but it needed some tweaking to make it easier to do. And when I started doing the interviews, I put that off to the side. I put some of my other stuff off to the side. And I started, I did nearly a hundred interviews before I started focusing back on doing some other stuff. So this year I realized I need to catch up on that. I need to make my podcast a little bit more consistent. Hey, welcome to Key Moments, a Chopcast original series where we have bonfire conversations with B2B creators about the key moments that shape their journey. I'm Karim Mustafa, your host and fellow creator. In each episode, we'll explore the challenges that creators face from imposter syndrome to finding your unique voice in a crowded market. We'll share lessons learned, pivotal decisions made, and even moments of triumph. My hope is that after each episode, you'll come away with at least one fresh idea to apply to your own journey as a creator. So grab a drink and let's dive in. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Key Moments. On today's show, we have a very special guest who is an inspiring polymath, an omni-channel content creator, and a fitness instructor. He's on a mission to revolutionize education as we know it by creating a modular education platform. As the host of the Polymath Polycast, he interviews multidisciplinary people from all over the world, and he's constantly seeking new challenges and bigger opportunities. He's also a notion guru and the mastermind behind the modular degree system, a modern approach to education that asks the question, what would education look like if we made it completely from scratch in the modern day? In his own words, I never accepted the common path of life I have always aimed for greater and bigger challenges. I seek to become something of a polymath, to never stop learning and to never back down. I will be successful in my endeavors and will be a future world leader. Dustin Miller, welcome to Key Moments. Thank you, Kareem, for having me. What an awesome intro there. Well, you know, starting, I guess like one of the things that, um, as I was like preparing this, I just thought like you are such a, you, you are such a, an, an, an energy force like obviously we've known each other for a while and I guess like maybe walk us through like how you even came about discovering the concept of of you know uh being like a, a polymath in general yeah I mean what's really interesting is that even from a young age I was enamored with Leonardo da Vinci like I remember back in middle school I did a presentation on him and so this is like me as like a preteen talking about Leonardo da Vinci and I went really crazy on like the amount of detail I put into this presentation too everyone else chose like Benjamin Franklin or some other cool people and just had like basically they just half-assed it and barely did anything to it I filled up my board completely for it and even at a young age I remember liking many different things doing many different things as I got older and I started working as like a swim instructor and a lifeguard I started doing more and more jobs and at one point I held six roles at once and I just loved being that pulled in all different directions and was that on purpose or did you just find yourself in a situation where you had six roles simultaneously it was a bit of both like it was on purpose I wanted to do more but I kept finding myself adding more to the plate they wanted, they kept giving me hours. I, they maxed, they capped me out, but they did kept giving me more hours. I was like, you know what? I'll just do more stuff. Right, right, right. And, and, and so right now, like if, um, like what is, like, what are you doing mainly right now for folks who may have not heard of your story from before? So I'm mainly a content creator at the moment. And I actually, <laughs> as of this week, put in my resignation of that same place that I worked at for the past 11 years. So where I was a lifeguard, where I was a swim instructor, 
I am now finally leaving that place. But I do a lot of swim lessons outside of there, and I do personal training as well. Those one of those things where that's what I do right now. I also host karaoke, and I'm looking around for more opportunities. That's amazing, man. Um, so take us back to like from this is where you are right now, but it didn't always start this way. Maybe walk us through like kind of like your your childhood, like your early career, and kind of how all that led to like where you are today. I have this distinct memory, and my my family doesn't uh and stop themselves from reminding me too. When I was about eight or nine. I asked my parents and my grandparents for office supplies for my birthday because I wanted to be a businessman. And that's not something that most kids say, like they want to be an astronaut, a fireman. I was like, no, I want to be a businessman. As give an me, early give teen, me clips, yeah. give me paper clips with like, you know, folders and stuff like that. And I remember getting a briefcase as like a teenager and just being super excited about it. I still have it around the corner too. It was just silly, but it was something that I knew I liked. And then as a teenager, I came out with this elevator pitch. I want to be a CEO of an international company driven to innovate technology and ideology. And that was the pitch that was coming out of this like 17 year old's mouth. But what does that really mean? You know, what are you going to be doing to get to that point? And so around the time of like the end of my secondary school, high school, I was trying to work on creating an organization called the United Living Construct, meant to be like a hub of innovators. And this organization, this company, if you will, that I was trying to make, it was it was a really neat concept, and there, it's you could almost think of it like a uh, startup incubator, if if you will, or something like that. I had a hard time defining it back then, not really knowing how to get it off the ground, let alone be the person to actually make that happen. So I realized, and I started blogging, I started creating content, started podcasting, even, but I realized that I wasn't necessarily good enough for this. And this this is a few years later when I bring back it to it. So around 2017, now at this point, and I realized, what, what, what was it though that made you feel like you weren't necessarily good at that? Well, I just knew that there were skills that I needed to have that I just didn't have yet. And I was still young. I was still needing more education and not necessarily a degree, but something more education wise. So I decided to pivot and focus more on personal branding and self-development in particular. Right, right, right. That that seems like a, I think for folks listening to us, like they might, they might say, oh, well, that, that's a pretty significant jump from like the one thing to the other. Is that something that was always like on your mind or? you kind of um, felt it was just natural for you to, 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 to gravitate into that direction. I kind of fought against it. Like I had a content creator friend or someone, or a colleague at least, who was telling me you need to be building a personal brand. Mm. And of course, like, you know, Gary Vee talks about it all the time too. And back then I was watching a lot of him, but like, it was really interesting how I didn't necessarily want to switch. I wanted to keep working on that endeavor to try to get it going. But out of my first years out of high school and even early adult life, I focused a lot on self-development and doing a lot of different things, learning different skills. I kind of sing. I tried learning how to dance, not really very effectively, though. I tried different languages and just that kind of thing and podcasting and consecration. But I realized I would be better off building that poly innovator and then down the line going back and trying to work on the other endeavor or something new. Right, right, right. Makes sense. And how, and how did that, like, what was the next step after that? So I started creating content for Poly Innovator, which is now, I care more about that name than I do Dustin Miller, if you will. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where that's that's me. That's who my online presence is. Mm. And that username has become this almost synonymous with my actual name. So people actually call me Poly or Poly Innovator and they'll just like, hey, Poly Innovator, how you doing? Like It's, it's kind of nice. It's a nice feeling. And it's starting to grow more and more now. I've been on TikTok since it was Musical.ly. I've been on YouTube for half a decade now. 
podcast for the same length. I've been blogging for 10 years. And so a lot of my content's finally starting to sow its roots. I'm not growing as fast as I'd like, but my topic is a bit more nuanced and niche that people might not actually go for. It's not like tech where it's going to evolve very quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think it's, I mean, true or false, like (laughs) what is the, the, there's a fine line between being a polymath and trying to like multitask multitask not not like on a day-to-day level but multitask on a on an aggregate level um i'm just trying to yeah i'm trying to figure out like is that true or false and the reason why i ask because yeah because like because i'm just gonna say that like me and um me and a friend of mine uh, we actually do a podcast together called the the mindset kitchen right now it's a little bit on and off but we were pretty consistent before but last year we had i think it was last year we had a um not even a bet but just like a a um kind of like a new year's resolution alignment thing that we did where we said he basically said hey i'm doing too much this year i'm just going to focus on the one thing mm-hmm. um shout out chief if you're listening to this and then from my side i was like you know what i'm i'm feeling burnt out because i'm just doing too much of the one thing and i'm mm-hmm. disregarding some of my other passions so like you know i'm i'm this business guy but also or this like trying to be this business guy but also um yeah. i'm a musician i i like to kayak i um and i have like other hobbies and whatnot so you know my thing was like let me have projects across across the board for that and you know we kind of gave each other this look of like i wasn't approving of what of his of his plan for the year and he wasn't approving of my plan for the year because i was of the impression that like in a weird way like when you do more things you kind of limit your time for each of these activities and so maybe it's um uh it 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 kind of like pushes you to be more productive because you have like finite time I don't know. I don't know if what I'm saying makes any sense, though. No, it's preaching to the choir here, and it's one of those things where your question was a bit more multifaceted on its own. But the one way I like to look at it is phases, and so every phase is a different topic or focus. So, like, let's say a podcast or music or something like that, and you only have so much time throughout your years and throughout your life. But I kind of see it as you can think of phases as short or long. A phase could be a year long or could be a decade long, and so like. For example, I've been doing swimming for the past decade. That's been my phase for swimming. I don't think that's going to end per se, but I've definitely done significantly less over the past year or so, let alone two years, when it comes to that particular phase. But I focus on other phases, like you know the podcast and doing more interviews on guest shows. And just right now, this particular year actually is a multi-phase year. So I think that might be very aligned with what you're doing. I have put a lot of things off on the side burner. So when I had had you on my show, I was doing purely just one phase and that was the interviews. Like I put off everything to do those interviews and I don't regret it one bit, but the opportunity cost of that just singular focus was my main series, which is the Pauline content stuff, which actually I actually modeled off of Tribe Tactics, you know, episodic series concept you guys came up with back then now oh, chapcast cool. but like but I, I model because i wanted it to be episodic right that's what it, i really love that concept you talked about and so i created that system that series to be episodic but i had a hard time getting that off the ground and doing that consistently i made that series so i could be consistent mm. but it needed some tweaking to make it easier to do and when i started doing the interviews i put that off to the side i put some of my other stuff off to the side and I started, I did nearly a hundred interviews before I started focusing back on doing some other stuff. So this year I realized I need to catch up on that. I need to make my podcast a little bit more 
consistent, right? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I actually started messing around with ChatGPT and started fleshing out ideas for a video game. And so at the end, the beginning of this year, I started working on that. And so there's a lot of different things. I don't know if that answers your question per se, but. Yeah, I think think it's just this, um, it's just this notion of like, is it better to, are you distracted? Is is one distracted if they have like multiple interests, specifically for creators who are watching this, like, um, and by the way, I'll be super honest, like, this is something that I'm personally going through right now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to build my personal brand as far as like, okay, like repurposing and best practices and stuff like that is concerned. But the other side of it, which might even surprise you, because like, I don't, I, I barely talk about it, is like, I'm a really big fan of like positive um, psychology and like mental fitness and that kind of thing. And uh, I'm actually halfway through writing a, a book on this topic because no, no zero new ideas. It's just like um, a uh, amalgamation of like all the things that I've learned from like many books that I've read into the topic. And I really think like talking about like founder mental health is like uh, is like a super big thing. Yeah. But I keep thinking, oh, if I talk about that, that's gonna contra- that's got nothing to do with repurposing. So how do you balance the two things? And I I thought you know you're the perfect person to yeah. get advice from. <laughs> I actually wrote a blog post and video about building a jack of all trades personal brand because it's not necessarily, yeah, I'll I'll send it to you after this and we can put it in the links too, but it's not necessarily about being known for one thing. And if you look at a lot of people, there's a lot of people who build up their following off of one thing, let alone like, let's say like a gamer creative, right? A lot of video game creators will focus on just one game for a while, like Apex or Call of Duty or something like that, Fortnite. And they'll build right. up their following with that, but they get really burned out from doing just one thing over time. Humans are not meant to necessarily be specialists. Some people are. Some pe- some people are meant to be specialists. They, sh- they want to do one thing. That's fine. But over the course of our human history, we're actually meant to do more than one thing. The reason why Homo sapiens evolved versus like Homo erectus and Neanderthals is because we had generalists who were able to adapt to new environments. Hmm. That's what the, like history has shown us. Like there's actually like studies on it. And throughout history, we've seen polymaths, we've seen jack of all trades, we've seen people who are generalists and them thriving in the craziness of many different things. And in the case of what you were talking about earlier, and that sometimes I think that there's years where you should focus on one thing. There's years where you should focus on a couple different things. And then there's a year like probably what you're experiencing too. But in, for my case this year, I have like four things I'm juggling this year, not to mention finding another job too. So that's like, I guess, initial thing temporarily, but mm-hmm. these multiple different avenues they're not detracting from each other. They're interleaving. So your focus is staying more consistent. So as a yeah. lifeguard, for example, right, we would stay in one part of the pool for 30 minutes and then we'll switch to the next part. Because if you stayed in that one part for too long, focused on it for too long, you start to lose focus. You start to lose the ability to keep your minds on that water. And so mm. we switch zones in order to maintain a higher state of focus. And that interleaving is the same thing for our skills and our focuses. Man, that is so interesting, um, uh, right? Because as opposed to like, as opposed, I, I couldn't, I, I'm trying to recap what you said, but you just said it perfectly that it does not need recapping. One thing I will say though, is that you should totally check out this book called, if you haven't already, a book called uh, Range by a guy David called David. Epstein. Yes, sir, exactly. And he literally talks about, you know, I, I, I'm just looking it up here just so I don't get the subtitle wrong, how generalists triumph in a specialized world, right? Mm-hmm. Because like everyone says, even like uh, since a young age, um, we'll get to the five moments in just a second, by the way, but <laughs> yeah. this is just so interesting that like what you're talking about around like how generalists are almost like the new specialists. Like since a young age, everyone um, kind of grooms you across like school and like obviously college and whatnot. Um, 
for those who go to college, like it's just, you're, you're, you're basically trying to build your specialization. Even if someone goes and does like a master's or like a PhD, mm-hmm. um, I have neither, but like my understanding of it is that you're pretty much doing that to build a specialization in a very specific thing. But what this book argues and what you're saying, um, supports that fully is like being a generalist gives you and not being too deep into something gives you that sort of like vantage point of being able to think more creatively and make a lot more like creative um, associations. I think one of the one of the stories in the book, and you, you'll probably you'll probably remember it as well, is um, this doctor who was really good at um, at, at like identifying heart um, things, right? Like a aortic valve in the heart, something like that. Some yeah, I think it was something like that. Um, but basically, like what what happened is that they rather than them being really good at identifying um that that like illness that a lot of people had apparently he he was it was it was an infectious um it was an infectious um illness and believe it or not he was the actual person who was actually give, spreading that to like a lot of different oh, people. No. So, yeah and so he he this is just like one of the, the pitfalls of like being too specialized into something that you turn numb and you you just like you you actually start to lose like your 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 edge in a weird way because mm. You're just too deep into it that you don't even um that, that that you fail to pay attention anymore kind of thing you're too deep in the trench that you can't see the trench exactly. next to you and beyond yeah 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 for sure um right so we can obviously Quick. keep talking for for hours i want to i want to get to like the uh the core of the episode with you as i'm sure a lot of people now that they've heard a little bit more from you are super interested about um you know how we do on, on key moments we want to talk about like five key moments in your life that kind of shaped your journey from where you were to where you are today. So I'm curious if you can tell me about a failure in your life that really kind of changed your perspective on things. And it doesn't have, it doesn't even have to be like the biggest or like the most thing. It's just like one, one failure that, um, that like made, uh, made an impact on you. Yes. So while, while not a business failure, it's a bit more interrelational, I guess you could say, but interpersonal. I remember going to one of my first concerts and I'm a very curious person. I like talking to people, I like making connections with people, but I was a single person at a concert of a band. That's pretty like, you know, lovey dovey kind of thing. And I remember sitting at a table and I looked around and I saw this wonderful looking girl around the corner sitting at a table by herself too. And we both kept making eye contact and she was basically waiting for me to go over there and say, hi, I don't know why she didn't come say hi, but I guess she was just too shy to. And I remember like almost having the courage to go over and talking to her, but as you could probably assume from what I'm talking about here, I didn't actually say anything to her. And then right. she ended up leaving and I never saw her again the rest of the night. And she was like the only person that night that probably wasn't the thing. I think of all those couples, ironically. And I just remember that moment being like, had I just got up, you know, like the dude of Tony Robbins, three, two, one, go kind of thing or something like that. Just got up and started walking over there. Something simple, just making some sort of small action towards that conversation. I probably would have said something like I would have walked towards her and just thought of something right off the bat and said something. But I remember being at night thinking like, I regret not saying something like that. And I've tried to think back on that moment when situations, whether they're like more romantic or business or even just like friendly like, okay, make a conversation with that person. Don't be afraid to start to say hi. Because what, what's going to happen? You go, mm-hmm. you leave and not do anything else afterwards. It's fine. Man, that is that is so crazy. Like, um, thank, thanks for sharing that. I think it's it, it's insane, like, the amount of opportunities that we often, like, let go mm-hmm. and, and the different paths that it could have totally taken us on if we just, for that one second, made um, 
I'm actually reading uh, David Goggin's uh, most recent book called Never Finished. And one of the things that I'm totally stealing from his book is um, a concept called like one second decisions. Like sometimes in that one, it's a one second decision, but if you do it, it'll literally like alter the course of your life. And it could be as simple as that was just, just like, yeah, like just like plus one more percent, um, uh, say courage, like do to, to take that next step or like plus one more percent to like just persevere in whatever like situation you're going through and so on. Um, I think one, one of those things for me was, um, this was like a hundred years ago at this stage, but like I was walking across a university campus that wasn't even my own. I was trying to look for this. Um, I think I was just attending an event or something, but I ended up going in like a different room and it was like the em an empty room basically, but there was like a bunch of flyers, a, a bunch of blue flyers all across the floor. Um, I guess like people kind of got up and the flyers kind of fell to the floor, but I just picked up one of them. They're all exactly the same. And it basically said screening of um, the startup kids movie. And this was literally, believe it or not, this was the first time I've even heard of the term uh, startup. I didn't know what a, what a startup was. And so I was free at that time. Uh, and I was single as well. <laughs> and yeah. I basically decided, you know what, let me go check out this screening. And that, I think it was basically a documentary on like a bunch of people who've like started uh, companies, I guess, maybe like, um, like, so, like the typical folks, like, you know, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, stuff like that. It's just like introduction to like what a startup is, some known figures and whatnot. Um, and that, that documentary, like literally put me down a, a, it either saved my life or it ruined my life. Cause it really pushed me hard towards like entrepreneurship, oh, even though, <laughs> yeah, even though I was like in and out of, of like, you know, corporate jobs and whatnot, I, at least at the time of this recording and I, and I plan to continue, um, like I'm just, I just keep defaulting back to like entrepreneurship, you know, and, and I really believe it's all because of this random flyer that I saw. If I didn't decide to act on it, you, you know, I would have never known like what, what could have happened, you know? I'm a bit of a, uh, I have a bit towards a, I have a pension towards fate. And I do think that at some point, even if you didn't pick up a flyer, you would have worked towards your entrepreneurial self i think because you have that the spirit that's already in you i think that ignited you but i think at some point you probably would have gone back but since that flyer got you so early on and made it better for you like this particular pathway of your life it's probably better than maybe the alternate universe next to us that like took you longer to do it but i'm glad you want the entrepreneurial path because that's how we met yeah 100 percent. i mean that's um per perhaps that could be the case maybe like what you're destined for is going to find you eventually you might get there a little bit quicker a little bit slower but you're heading <laughs> towards your destiny regardless i that was up there <laughs> yeah i think i think there's definitely some truth to that um all right well my next question is um it's probably going to be the toughest for you and it is one book one book that has made a strong impact on your life and the reason why it's tough is because you literally you almost read books for a living so like i i'm curious to know like, oh, i wish i read more <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I need to read more. A lot of the books over here, I haven't always finished, but there's one book that I always recommend. And ironically, it's probably the easiest question because I, I want everyone to read this book. It's called The Tao of Physics. Okay. And it combined Fritjof Capra, I think is the name of the author. Can you, can you, he, can you uh, spell that? The name? Yeah, The Tao. How do you spell it? It's T-A-O. Yeah. Oh, I got you. All right. Yeah. Some people spell Tao with a D, but it should be T, I think. Um, gotcha, gotcha. But the physics minds philosophy and science, which I think is an embodiment of a polymath mentality in general. I guess what Leonardo da Vinci did, he combined a lot of science and philosophy together. If you look at a lot of his art pieces, 
I say philosophy, but arts kind of goes in that. You think of the natural beauty and the natural sciences. The art of The Last Supper, for example, for Da Vinci, he combines engineering knowledge and how to build a building and the design of his lines. If you look at the lines in the building behind the, the 12 people, mm-hmm. you can see the knowledge of science that he had had. But you also see the art of the beauty of that piece. And that same philosophy and mentality, I think, goes into that book, The Dell of Physics. That's awesome, man. Um, I literally wrote it down because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a book addict and... Um... I'll, no, I'll it's a dense read. What's that? It's a dense read. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just talking about quantum physics and and deep Buddhist philosophy at the same time. So nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that, it's so interesting. I've never heard of the the two kind of terms like come come together. Um, but yeah, that that's super interesting, man. I'll probably have to look at uh, that Last Supper painting again now. Keeping keeping in mind what you said, just to, <laughs> just to see, um, what I pick up on. Then again, I don't know the first thing about science. Yeah, but I actually tried I mean, to study mechanical yeah. engineering for a year in college. Uh-huh. Like I, I totally failed that year. So like I, I just switched to, to something else, which ended up being. I tried doing some computer science, and I couldn't do that either. And so, oh, yeah. so, so like mechanical engineering, computer science are both really dense fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So tell me about one person in your life that that really made a difference on your journey to becoming who you are today. As soon as you said one person, I got like really heavy hearted because I knew exactly who I wanted to say. Uh, in 2016, my late mentor passed away, but he, when I was about 10 or so, uh, he had been with me for like, I, I must've been younger too. I feel like, cause I felt like it was close to a decade that I knew him, but, um, it was a, like a little volunteer place in town that I went to as a kid and eventually volunteered myself, but we had mentors, we had mentors and mentees and this guy and I bonded really well. And then he became my big brother because we have a program here. I don't know if they have it across the pond, but big brothers, big sisters where they have like an adult and a kid, they match them up. And that way you can have like a better role model in case you don't really have a father or mother figure present and that's like that kind of thing. But he always supported my entrepreneurial ventures. Even when he moved to different states, we'd do Zoom calls or Skype calls. And this is back in like, you know, 2012, 2013, when it wasn't mm-hmm. as common. And uh, I he was talking about Freemasonry and telling me to like explore my options and like explore my horizon, expand my horizons and stuff like that. I just remember him always supporting poly innovator even before it was poly innovator that kind of thing and he definitely supported the ulc whenever i was working on that and he definitely made a big change in my life and mm-hmm. i actually connected with his brothers too after the fact and it's just one of those things where he he left that mark yeah oh man uh yeah i mean oh. that's how did you how did you how did you meet him to begin with that in that volunteering center kind of thing like i was a kid that was part of that group because it was just like a local community center and he was a volunteer mentor there Right, right, right. I mean, do you, I mean, no, no, I, I got that, but I mean, like, did you, um, was there like an, some type of like an interview process or you just get matched up and matched hope up. you get matched up with somebody good? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember That's exactly. Awesome. So it's like 17 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's amazing how you've, you've, you guys have like stayed in touch though for that long. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I could definitely, uh, I, I could definitely know, I can definitely appreciate like how heavy that is. Like I've also had a mentor here in, um, in Ireland. He's, uh, he's also an Egyptian, uh, like me. Um, and basically he is, uh, he, he, he used to be a professor in, uh, this college that I was attending and he was kind of like the, the godfather figure of, uh, of, of like the Egyptian kind of like community over here in Ireland. And he, he was just like the biggest, like when you, when you think of like a giver, he was like the biggest giver I could think of, like, he's helped me 
in so many different ways that I can't even begin to count mm-hmm. um, in terms of like career advice, uh, like literally like relationship advice, um, just life advice in general. And what I was shocked to find is that he was doing that much helping to like every single, like almost every single person that he was in touch with. Um, but yeah, unfortunately he had an, an illness that um, took his life away like earlier than expected. Um, but yeah, like definitely his, his memory lives on. And I keep, I think, I guess like we think a lot about like our mentors, um, you know, and I think even more consciously, like infor- after they're gone, unfortunately, but yeah, like he's, I, I could definitely appreciate the power of like having someone that, um, was there to guide you, especially like in your earlier days for sure. Well, I remember actually like a, a week before he had passed away, we are on a phone call and it was a pretty like, I don't want to say heavy, but it was a pretty like intense phone call because I was really upset about something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was like helping me, he was guiding me through it and giving me advice and just being a good friend and being there for me. And then lo and behold, the next week, but yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry for your loss, man. That's, that's just crazy. Um, yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, like maybe related to that or unrelated to that, tell me about one decision that again, like really made a difference in your journey becoming a creator Mm. today. One decision that like, if this decision wasn't made, like things would have been totally different. Well, I did a stint at college after this decision, but I, my decision was not to go to college. In fact, I created my own degree, which is part of what that intro you mentioned earlier too. I called it the DIY degree before, but I guess someone before me kind of claimed that title or that name. So I changed it to the modular degree because I wanted a modular education system. If you look at, especially in the US, but I think even in the UK and Europe in general, let alone even Australia too, there's a lot of people who, especially like in the younger generations, trying to go for a more multidisciplinary education. They're going for liberal arts. They could have a pick and choose of the courses they want to have. And I actually interviewed somebody on my show recently who did that with the sciences too. He is a very, very smart man. And he was able to hit a multidisciplinary science degree. Like he made his own science degree, but in an official school system, which I thought was fascinating. But most schools block you from doing multidisciplinary degrees. They want you to narrow down. They want you to focus. And that I was going to say earlier that narrowization, like if that's a word, that like narrowing of your specialization, that has only originated the past hundred years thanks to the Second Industrial Revolution. It's a it's a very modern concept to just be that specialized. We've had specialists in the past, but that mindset and the societal norm is only about a hundred years old. Um, it was, it was uh, almost like an economic thing, right? Like yeah. uh, needed the factory co- the cogs and factory wheels, if you will. Right, right. Like division of labor and all that. Yeah, yeah. And it was useful at that time, but it's starting to get to the point now, especially with the internet, that it's not as prudent. But my point was that I I decided to create my own de- degree instead of pursuing an official one. And while some people might say it was successful, some people might say it's not. That self learning led me to creating that system in. Of, it, of, of before school sheets and Airtable, now Notion, and I created a template in Notion for the mod degree. And then also, too, it became my first topic for Poly Innovator for content to make. And so it led me down this path. And for for folks who might be listening to this thinking, okay, but like, is it accredited by university? Uh, like, how, how, like, does that oh, even matter anymore? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I love how that's the first thing people always ask me, too, which is right. kind of funny. Yeah. It's like, you would think people would ask like, hey, how does it work when it comes to like 
if I'm if I learn this way. Like you would think people would like match it up with their own learning methodologies because everyone learns differently. Some people are visual, some people are hands-on, some people like to have there's different ways of learning. That's where I would think people would ask first. But yes, when it comes to accreditation, there's ways of making it work that way. You can take CLEP tests and test out of certain things. There's a uh, Lori Picard. She did a BA in four weeks and so bachelor arts in four weeks. And the way she did it was that she took like 30 CLEP tests and got tested out of all her uh, credits. Now, I'm not sure if you're able to do that now because the schools have changed the way they accept external credits, but there's like a Southern uh, online college called WGU where some people test out of at least like a fourth of the credits and transfer that in. And there's, there's other schools out there. There's also micro-credentials too, such as like MicroMasters or even... Um, nano degrees depending on which platform you use they have their own different like you know names for it but there's a lot of micro credentials you could use too there's a lot of ways of making it accredited or official if you really want to but a lot of the time it's more about the skill itself when you try to apply to a company they care about the skill mm -hmm. yeah and, and i think like as you're you, it was you literally stole it off the tip of my tongue like i think that the biggest example of what you're talking about is I'm not just agreeing with you. I agree with you. Like this is yeah. legit knowledge right here. Um, at least, at least as far as like my own research as well. Um, so like obviously like we run um like a tech a tech startup and like we're always like trying to look for like you know engineering talent and so on. Mm -hmm. And I wish I knew this earlier, but recently I found out that like most engineers are actually self-taught. I think um, mm -hmm. a friend of mine who who runs like um, a firm that specializes in this stuff says that most engineers are are self-taught and you know right now you have like the the advent of things that are not even that new anymore things like um ed edx the the platform where you could get like things like freaking like harvard courses completely for free like i'm doing uh cs50 which is like their introductory computer science course which i'm sure you, you're super familiar with yeah. um the good course totally, totally for free and they're like hey you want to do you want like a digital degree just give us a hundred bucks and i'm like but in my, in my mind i'm thinking like it doesn't even it almost doesn't like we live in a time to your point dustin where it's like skills have never mattered more than more than before and um again like we're, we're like a tiny or like even micro uh level employer but even i can tell you from like an interview process like we've uh we've we almost never look at like people's degrees yeah. because it because the degree can almost overshadow what you actually did so mm. and we, we've had that like work in in different ways like we've had folks who were who studied something totally different and they get hired for a job that's like again totally different or someone who has like an amazing degree, but it does not reflect on what they actually learned and what they've actually done with their own hands and so on. So yeah, I'm, it's, it, it's interesting how the world so, is, is changing right now, yeah. I mentioned the MicroMasters and that's an edX uh, system. That's like, oh, it's, okay. that's, that's their like micro-credential. They have micro-bachelors now too, which is pretty cool, but the MicroMasters is a little bit more interesting when it comes to the topic base. And what I was actually trying to work towards was there was one MicroMasters in particular where you could actually just, you could literally take that MicroMasters and then take it into a master's degree, skipping the bachelor's altogether. It's like they all, all they really looked at was if you took that MicroMasters and if you could do, I mean, it was pretty hard. Like there was statistics and there was some, uh, some data science in that particular degree. But if you learned, if you knew those two t uh, particular topics, then you could go into a master's degree without having bachelor's at all. And that's a little secret that most people don't know about, but also, you were mentioning the CS50. I ended up just watching the YouTube videos for it rather than going through the course because I found that the extra steps of clicking next on the course was a little on the MOOC was a little bit annoying. Uh -huh. So, like YouTube made it a little bit faster, but uh, 
and it's the same videos too. You mentioned the hundred dollar certificate or whatnot too. Those are sometimes like helpful or something. Yeah. yeah so depending on which course it is and whatnot, uh, certificates are useful, but only if it's like, I feel like for CS50, it's, it's so basic. You probably wouldn't even want to do it. It's something more of you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that was, yeah, that was just an example, but just the idea yeah, yeah, that yeah. like, um, you know, if you, if you want a certificate for something like you could to put it on your like LinkedIn profile or something, I guess yeah. you could do that. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's super cool, man. Um, mm -hmm. all right. Well, tell me about a time when, uh, you had like a specific, you, you've accomplished a lot of things. Surely though, there's perhaps like a few accomplishments that particularly stood out to you. Could even be something that's not all that of a big deal to others, but maybe it was for you. And I'm wondering if you can tell us about like, like an accomplishment or a learning that you've had. Which one to choose? The first one that came to mind was the fact that I've taught swimming for over a decade now, or about a decade now, I guess you could say. And I've lost track of how many students I've taught, but I'm pretty close, sure it's like close to about a thousand at this point. And I count the people who I only talked a couple of times too. But I taught public lessons for many, many years, which is three hours every week, if not multiple hours, if I taught more more than just that one day. And it's groups of five or six kids per class. And so you start to add in those numbers up, they add up quick. And I've taught a hundred different private lessons as well. So it's one of those things where over the course of the past decade, I've taught so many people how to swim and I'm still going to, I don't think I'm ever going to stop. Like I might decrease it down to like two clients a week when I'm in my fifties or something like that, but I don't think I'm ever going to stop per se. And I'm currently writing my how to swim book too. And I think that's all going to go into that. And it's just going to teach nice. more people beyond that. So I may not directly teach them, but through that book, I'll teach them. Cause I, I was actually just going to ask you like, how, how are all the things that you've learned from the the thousand hours of oh, sorry the thousand students that you have taught in, in in whether it's like in you know public or, or, or private lessons how like what that has taught you around like being like prolific and like content creation as well and it, you, you know you, you said that you're already working on a book on this hmm. um I, i've always some thought uh like I, I i used to just by total random coincidence like i um as an egyptian i think like when you're born an egyptian like a lot of like to, born to like Egyptian parents, there's like a 99% chance they're going to enroll you in swimming classes. It's just a mm. thing, super random that like we, we do in our culture. Um, so like most people end up knowing how to swim. Um, I stuck with it for a little bit, but nothing, nothing to like write home about, but I, I've always like thought it was really cool to like every, every lap you, you get in or like every, or just like even extrapolating that even further, like every rep you put in, in anything sports related. I've always found like a really, I don't know if it was just me being a weirdo, but like I've always found that there's an interesting connection between that and like putting in the reps in terms of like creating content and how, mm -hmm. just cause I've d had like, measurableness. right. Yeah. Like, like these weeks, um, like I do, I, you know, I do like one day gym, one day swim, for example, but like in my mind, I'm thinking if I just have like a great month of doing that, it doesn't mean that I'm set for life and I can just chill and go to McDonald's for the rest of my life. Like yeah. it's something that you have to continually put in the reps for. And it's the same thing for content. I'm wondering, yeah. like, where have you drawn that connection? So to answer your question, the dissemination of knowledge. And so one thing I've noticed over the years is that Simon Sinek, Start With Why, actually applies pretty well to this, is that some people want the why, some people want the what, and some people want the how. So I had a guy who came in who literally just needed to know the physical actions to do. Like, he needed the how. And, like, I taught him, like, this is how you do it this way, and you do it this way. And like, I didn't even tell him why or what it is. I just told him, okay, he's like, I need to know breaststroke. Okay, you do these movements. And he was able to do it. 
Most of the time, though, people need to know why you do it this way, right? Mm -hmm. Why do we have to have our hands like this rather than like this? And having that kind of talk about hydrodynamics and stuff like that and explain to them the philosophy behind it. Some people were the what. What is a breaststroke? What is the butterfly? What is this kind of thing? And you start extrapolating more psychology behind it. What is holding your breath underwater really entail? And they overlap like the how and what. But that dissemination of knowledge and the teaching and finding which one is which, the why, how, and what for each person, because everybody needs all three, but everybody has their own main one that I've noticed. And that same template can be applied to any skill or knowledge. And one more thing was the going on to that measurable skills that you were talking about too. What I've loved about exercise, particularly swimming, but even like dumbbells and calisthenics is that it's a measurable step. You end up leveling up, you plateau, you level up again, you plateau again, mm -hmm. and it, that continues throughout the whole life. I've noticed though that a lot of my clients in the water best classes were, you know, like 60s and 70s and 80s and even up to 90s at some points too oh, wow. in age. So my oldest client I ever taught was like 97 uh, in one of my classes. And the thing is, regardless of age, every decade, you need to change it up dramatically. And so if you're a swimmer for a decade and you need to start doing some weight training or something like that, oftentimes you do both. Or like mm -hmm. maybe maybe you're doing pickleball and then you need to switch it to golf. Some, something different, martial arts. Something so profoundly different than what you're already doing to challenge your body in a new way, a new stimuli. Mm -hmm. Think, apply that too to business too. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, and I mean, it, 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 I, I think the beauty of it is that you could really look at like pivoting or like just iterating on your content strategy as something that's that's very much like akin to that where it's like or, or or if you've already figured something out like sometimes you don't know what else is possible and so you'll never know that by without without actually like experimenting so well that, that quick on that actually my content yeah, repurposing newsletter that i started this year right that was or i guess late last year that was a that was a pivot i didn't want to do that yet i actually felt because uh, I, I felt like a little bit premature on it. Like I didn't want to do it just yet. I wanted to focus on my swimming newsletter and some of my other topics, the polycast. Mm -hmm. But I realized it was a phase that I needed to get started, even if it's just slow at this point in time, because not only Chopcast, but there's a lot of tools out there of all different kinds. Some of them are literally just finding clips. Some of them are literally for like gaming clips or whatever. But Chopcast in particular is a big one. And all these amazing tools are out here and no one's talking about it. You know what I mean? Like the founders are, right? But there's not hardly anybody on the outside that's talking about all these amazing tools and showing a highlight on them, spotlight on them. And so that's why I started doing the reviews on that newsletter too, so I could start talking about them more. But that was a pivot. I had to change what I was doing in order to do it. And I, I, I don't regret it at all because it ended up being a great deal. And I realized there was a there was a spot for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think a thousand teaching a thousand people how to do anything is teaching one person to do something significantly is is already something worth worth talking about um the fact that you've ta taught a thousand people over the last decade is amazing man um ranging uh, i'm sure from like kids all the way up to like 97 years old as you're saying so that's it's awesome um Dustin, as you know like uh you've you've had me on your podcast which i'm grateful for um we're, we're doing this right now we you already know that we could keep this going for hours and hours but i guess just to be uh, respectful of your time as well I think we should probably wrap it up. One thing I wanted to ask you at the end is how can people find you and all of the things that you're currently working on? And is there anything that you wanted to share with the community or anything that you wanted to give as such? Well, you can find me 
at Poly Innovator, basically any platform. I try to challenge people to find a platform that I'm not on because then I can find something I don't know about yet. Uh, but my website is polyinnovator.space. And so you can find all my links on there. I make sure it's as valuable as possible to find whatever you're looking for. You can find it there. And a little tidbit to kind of send people off is that whenever you are trying to master multiple disciplines, something I thought about earlier in this episode is that being a specialist, being a journalist, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. And I think a lot of people would say they are. And maybe what I'm saying is technically false. Like technically they are mutually exclusive, but you could be a specialist with a wide width at the bottom. It could be like a T-shape. You could be a generalist with a couple different deeper areas of knowledge. Becoming a polymath is a mix of both. You are a specialized generalist. And a lot of people don't realize that. Polymath isn't necessarily a jack of all trades. It's way farther than that. You are a multi-expert. And it takes a long time to get to that point. I don't consider myself a polymath, maybe more of a proto-polymath at this point in time, because I'm still growing. I'm still learning. If you are trying to expand your horizons, just keep that in mind. It takes time. You could have more than one specialty. It's okay. I love the term of like specialized generalist and and, and just thinking of it on like a shape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't hear it before until today. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, but yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, folks for like anyone who missed the book that we were talking about earlier, it's called range by David Epstein. Um, it's, I, I don't know, Dustin, what you think, but I, I think it's like a really good introduction into like this whole, oh, it's really great. It's a great book. Yeah, this whole world of, of, uh, of the benefits of being a generalist and like the, the, all the competitive advantages that you can get in general. Um, cool. Well, Dustin, uh, thank you so much once again for, for doing this episode. Um, it's a pleasure having you as always. And, uh, folks hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know what you thought and we'll yes. see you in the next one. Thank you. I'll be on the podcast again too. Awesome.